lose everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in sports. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It is All In Sports. Jake Seeley, your host as always. You know to follow me at All In Kid. Hopefully, maybe coming in from today's terrific guest. And as a reminder, if you're not part of the athletic, I know the football season's almost over, but man, let's be real. If you go over there, you should just be able to click on the rankings list and get 40% off or 60% off or 50% off. There's special deals. It's a randomness. Hopefully, you get the best one. Either way, it should be one of them. And then if worse comes to worse, if you use the name of the show after theathletic.com slash all in sports, that's 30% off. That's the minimum you should be able to get. So 30, 40, 50, 60, depending on how lucky you get for this Christmas season, go check it out. You can check out everything. Dane Brugler just released his first round mock draft already. So tons of stuff. But let's just get into it. Hopefully in your playoffs, hopefully you're listening. All you if you're playing DFS to get some more advice with that. And my guest for this week is hands down top three in the business. And I say top three just because I don't want everybody to think like, hey, he's number one and you guys don't matter. At least make it sound like there's other people in the discussion because he's Adam Rona, somebody I've known a long, long time. Hopefully you guys have known as well. One of the smartest, one of the most successful in the business in the Flex League he's got to buy. Uh, welcome to the show, Adam. It's good to talk to you again. Always good to kick it with you, Jake. We have known each other for a while worked together for a long time. I've gone I slept on your couch. That is true. Yes, you did visit and slept on my couch, which I'm about to get a new one. So you would have liked the new one a lot better. <laughs> Sorry about that. Slept in an L couch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we go back a long ways. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that we worked with have gone on to big success in this business. And what could have been if we kept the core together? But hey, everyone's having success uh, outside of that. So good. Yeah. For speaking of which, make, tell everybody where you, you got new stuff in the works here. Yeah. I just recently joined Fantasy Alarm on November 1st. So you can find all my work there. I've been actually doing a lot of NBA DFS recently. Uh, you could hear me. We have a new show, um, Alarm After Hours on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, midnight to 1 a.m. Eastern. I'll be on there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, along with Justin Fensterman. Uh, so yeah, happy to be with Fantasy Alarm. So you can check out all my work, fantasyalarm.com. Yeah, and if you want anybody that's a testament to like what it takes to, if you want this to be your job, or if you want any job in general, uh, what was that? You used to wake up at like four o'clock and get home at 11, something ridiculous like that back in the day? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> you, know, we, uh, you see these threads going on a lot about people working for free and I understand how some people are against it. But I, when I did start out and I did that serious XM, fantasy sports radio morning show, I wasn't getting paid for the first two years. I woke up 4 a.m., had to take a bus and train into the city, but I loved it. I always wanted to be on radio. I never thought it would be fantasy sports, and you can only do it if you have a passion for it. Now, I was fortunate. No kids, no marriage, no one to support, so I can get by. But after that, I went to do my job, which was working at a newspaper, Newsday in Long Island. So basically, I was uh, living in Queens, Went to the city to do the show, back to Queens, maybe get a quick nap, drive out to Long Island, Nassau and Suffolk, rush hour traffic, cover high school sports, occasional 
pro sports, but I did that for two and a half years. I don't know how I survived, but not asking for sympathy. I'm just saying it takes hard work, especially no, now. 100%. In the, and Jake knows this too, because Jake has put in, Jake used to put in a ton of hours, always obviously more than what you were getting paid for. <laughs> we're getting paid. Um, but you see where both of us have gone and it's not going to be that easy for everyone. And everyone has different situations and they have bills and families to support and kids. So I understand that, but you have to have a passion for this. You can't look at this as work. You have to enjoy it. And I feel blessed that I still wake up every day and do so many. I think I've done at least five shows per week every day since 2010, whether it's radio shows, podcasts, whatever it is, outside of the vacation that I took, which is not very often, but I love doing this, and you have to have a passion for it. And I'm just blessed to do this, and I'm sure you are as well. Oh, that hundred thousand percent. And for all the people out there, like your grandfather's like, oh, I used to walk to school uphill both ways in the snow. And blah, blah. Like the person that can tell that story when he's 70 is Adam Ronis. But let's talk about one thing that you and I were talking about before the show. And you and I talk about this on our own shows and we hammer it every single year, but it still hasn't grasped or completely in the industry. People haven't jumped on board. People still seem a little hesitant to it. And it's just the format overall, especially when it comes to playoffs. Now, one of the things is, and I always say, you're the first person I ever knew that mentioned it. And I started it that very year when you mentioned it. But the first one is double headers. And, you know, I have double headers in my home league where you play your opponent, so you still get to enjoy that. And then the top half of the league gets a win and the bottom half of the league gets a loss. And that inherently, in and of itself, Adam, just takes some of the risk out of it. And I know there's people out there who are like, well, it's fancy football. Of course, it's risk. That's, that's what fancy football is. But for the competitive side of things, I feel like, well, you know this because you are one of the more successful people in baseball, like myself, Matt Medica, a friend of ours. Baseball, more often than not, the best person wins because it's such a long season. Your, your talent, your acumen, your knowledge, that really comes into play. But because we're in a short season, 16 weeks, the luck, there's buys. You don't deal with that in baseball. We want to take some of it out. I know there's fun in the risk, but at the same time, you still want to be rewarded for being smart and doing your homework. No doubt about it. I will say this, though, in baseball, if it's head-to-head, the best team doesn't always win because you could have that bad week. But I think when we think baseball, most people play Roto Leagues, although maybe our listeners and readers could be different. But for football, there's the schedule is so random. There's bye weeks that you have to take into account. You can run into a team on your schedule that just doesn't get hit with buys. We need to change this. It cannot just be top six records. I've talked about it, as you alluded to, doubleheaders for years. I do it in my home league. And every year it worked until two years ago. The team with the second most points did not get in, even with doubleheaders. And I felt bad. The guy was like, oh, it's no big deal. I needed to win these last couple games. I did it. No, it's not fair. He had the second most (laughs) points. And I think that was a 14-team league at the time. I'm sorry. You deserve to get in. So I changed it. And I said, okay. Even with doubleheaders, we're going to do the top five records and the sixth seed will be out of the remaining teams who has the most points. And if I didn't change it, the team with the most points would not have gotten in. So it was two years in a row that that happened. And I'm seeing it more than ever this year. High stakes leagues take points into account, and it should. I'm seeing a lot of teams that have scored a lot of points, that have losing records, that are not going to get in. And I'm seeing teams that are 9-4. Eight and five, 
hardly any points. Maybe ninth, tenth in the league, and they're getting into the playoffs based on record. And I don't understand why people think this is legit. And I'm not saying this because it happened to me. If I right. had an eight, if I had an eight and five team, and it was tenth in points, I wouldn't feel deserving of a playoff <laughs> spot. I don't deserve to make it. I got lucky. I mean, just admit it. We all have these biases and put ourselves in these positions. But I want the best teams to be in there. And we cannot do it just based on record. I understand the head-to-head element. People love it. But we need to have points account for something. In the Flexi, you do top five records and then the remaining team with the most points. I'm fine with that. We can do top four and then two with most points. We got to do something different because we can't have a team that is third in the league in points like you were in the Flex League and you're not in the playoffs. What was your record, by the way? Six and or wait, seven and six, six and seven. Yeah, I mean, it's like, come on, like you know, you clearly are one of the better teams in the league, but obviously, somewhere along the way, you were just going up against the high scoring team each week. And it happened to me in the high stakes leagues, I had a couple losing records, but I got in because they do best record gets in, then out of the remaining 11 teams, most points, then out of the next 10 teams, the team with the best record, and then out of the remaining most points. And then those four battle for three weeks to see who wins the league. Right. I like that. But and if you want rec- – again, you can do if, – if you're so adamant about records, fine. Top four, top five records. But we have to have a spot for most points. And when I talk about this, I actually put back. Some guy said, well, I had the second most points and I didn't get in, but I don't think I deserved it because one week I scored 200 because there's an element of luck that's always going to be there in fantasy. But we need to try and eliminate as much luck as possible and reward these teams that were successful. Yeah, I'm 100% with you, uh, Adam. Actually, my home league is double headers and the sixth playoff spot uh, makes it. By the way, to, to you, the Superflex team you were talking about, I had Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and Christian McCaffrey on that team. And no, I am not in the playoffs despite having all of that. But on top of it, too, you, you mentioned the week to week and week and stuff like that. To go back to the home league, which I mentioned to you, this team that down the stretch, now mind you, for everybody out there, I give a point. Actually, a point point two five, so a quarter extra for every ten yards because I boost the yards back up to give credit for that, and also diminish touchdowns a little bit more to give credit to that kind of workload that's out there. But ninety nine, seventy three, fifty eight, ninety nine, eighty two, eighty five down the home stretch. He went six and zero, obviously, uh, twice just not even scoring 100 himself, and then one time barely topping 100 because that's what happened. So to Adam's point, like in my home league, he actually lost two games in that stretch because he didn't finish in the top half. So that helps the points, that sixth spot on top of it, as you said with Adam, is like, you know, you can do it whatever way you want. Just just add a little bit to it to get that. But the, 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 be, the best six teams ideally should hopefully make the, the playoffs. Now, with that, Adam, I find this interesting. The one common question I got this week, which is not surprising because of what happened, but it was, should I blow my number one waiver priority on Alexander Madison? Well, so two things here is one, please use fab, everybody. Please go to auction budgets. This whole rolling waivers, is, that's so antiquated. Uh, that, even before the double headers and stuff like that. First of all, fix that. Second of all, to go just to Madison in general, I found it surprising that you assume a lot of these people are listening to us, but I found it surprising that somebody like Madison was sitting out there on waiver wires because... Once you get past the buys, 
the running back five, the wide receiver six, get them off your roster, get your backup quarterback, get your handcuffs, get other people's handcuffs, because then you wouldn't sit there and say, do I blow my number one waiver priority? You already own the guy, and then maybe you can blow your waiver run priority on Darwin Thompson as a flyer. There's no way Madison should be on waivers. I mean, any sensible fantasy analyst has probably been talking about it. When I used to do the waiver wire column in my previous spot, I kept putting Madison in there every week, and I'm like, do I put him in here again? Well, look at his ownership percentage. And it's like, okay, here's a reminder for you clowns that didn't pick him up yet, especially if you're Dalvin Cook owner, go get him. I have Dalvin Cook in only one league this year. I drafted Madison in that one, and I held on to him, and thank goodness, because you had to have him. You see how potent this running game is. We've seen Madison get double-digit touches occasionally this year. He looks good. There's times – I can't really distinguish between Madison and Cook. It's a good thing I know their numbers, but they kind of look similar. There's no way he should have been on the waiver wire this weekend. You're right. Even if somehow your league slipped up and waited and there were bye week issues, the bye weeks passed last week. Madison's out there. You go get him. So I'm just stunned. Even in a league with 16 roster spots, and I know that's not a deep league, I mean, he is one of the top running back handcuffs. You can't cuff everyone. Obviously, now with the buys, you want to have your top guys, but I'm just stunned that he's out there. I'm pretty sure this is the case for you. He's not available in any of my leagues. I didn't even bother to look because I know no. he's not there. <laughs> I didn't even bother to look either because I'm right there with you. With the whole, and I keep my, I, so I have this section in my waiver column, Adam, but now I have it's I've been doing it for the past three years. Is I tried to tell you, like, these are the guys where. And it's not I tried to tell you, like, ha ha, it's paid off because Alexander Madison was in there for a while. It's just if you didn't pick him up by now, what left do I have to say? Because you're obviously just not going to do it. To what you just said is like, do I have to keep him? Like, how many times can you write the same thing every single week about the same players? Either you pick him up or you don't. <laughs> yeah, I, it's actually, and you know this, you do it. It's a difficult column to write because you're looking at ownership percentages. They're across several different leagues. And I'm sure there's some people who are very sophisticated and going, Jake has Alexander Madison again. Adam wrote it. He wrote this three weeks in a row. Well, there's some people that are clearly are not listening based on the ownership <laughs> percentage. So, yes, it sucks to be repetitive. But at the same time, you know, it might we might get a different audience. Maybe someone stumbles upon it for the first time. And we also – and I think sometimes as analysts – and I'm guilty of it too because, again, I play in the high-stakes leagues. I play in very deep formats. A lot of my leagues are 12 teams, 20 roster spots. I'm sure you do too. So I think we become – we get in our own bubble and we kind of forget that there's eight team leagues and 10 team leagues. And there's a vast audience that we have to play to. And it can be difficult because there's a difference between playing in an eight, 10 team league or 12 team high stakes leagues, a 14 or 16 team league. So there's people in those deep leagues, like why is he mentioning Madison? That guy was drafting on my league, but then he's sitting there on the waiver wire in other leagues. So <laughs> it can be difficult to kind of appease everyone when you're right. doing that waiver wire column. No, 100%. All right, so on top of that, any last-minute playoff advice, thoughts that we didn't touch on that you know maybe everybody out there you kind of see as a common theme people need to know? I think pretty much at this point... You Don't should... overthink it? Yeah, I mean, I think people did that with Deshaun Watson last week. A lot of people benched him against New England, and I know how good that defense was, but we saw just a couple weeks before Lamar Jackson put up numbers, so I feel bad for you if you bench Deshaun Watson for Nick Foles. Uh, I 100%. Here's one for I'll give you one more. I'll ask you this question just outright is get a lot of people like acting like it's DFS. Should I stack? Should I hedge? Should I do this? Blah, blah, blah. And again, it's the overthinking. But in general, when you see somebody 
and I know your answer, but I just want to put it out there for everybody. But when you see somebody saying, hey, I'm facing Deshaun Watson. Should I start Will Fuller over uh, Carl, Calvin Ridley to offset his quarterback? That's a question I'm sure you see a lot. Yeah, I no way. It makes no <laughs> sense. What if Watson doesn't throw to Fuller? Like last week, one catch for eight yards. I know he had the touchdown potentially, uh, but couldn't get that second foot in balance. But it doesn't matter. And I think – you know, it's funny because you shouldn't worry about your opponent's lineup, but I look. I want to see what I'm going against. <laughs> but it's not going to influence my decision at all. Like, your right. goal as a fantasy owner is you're, you put your best team out possible. doesn't matter what the other team has. You can't control that. If that team's going to go off, hey, you lost to a better team. Or they got lucky where they had these players uh, – that just had big weeks out of nowhere. We've seen it. How many times do you go against an opponent, you look at their lineup like, this is not a good team. They had injuries, bye weeks, and they put in all these scrubs, and all the scrubs go off. And you're like, how did I lose to this team? <laughs> so you can't control that. Just put your best team out there and let, let whatever happens, happens. There's nothing you can do after that. No, I completely agree with you too. Yes, yeah, and, and, and the overthinking, like I said, don't start – overthinking matchups matchups are for tie breaks all these kind of decisions are tie breaks you know i will say if you're trying to decide between two wide receivers that are almost back to back all right then maybe you can play it because you know i understand the thought process but never jump that far as adam said you know the biggest thing is well let me ask you something okay. did i overthink it last week benching kenny galladay for who anthony miller in one so it actually worked out pretty close yeah uh, the other one I cannot remember now. <laughs> so I think that's different. And we brought this up on our on the, the throwback show on The Athletic. And I said that that's a different scenario because we had a replacement quarterback who was mediocre in college and was a backup to a backup. And granted, the backups don't have anything to lose. And that's why I see him flinging the ball. Over. But that first throw was kind of what we expected from David Blow and well, Blow. I said Blow because I was so pissed off. I texted my buddy Blow Me on that because <laughs> I was like you. I had Kenny Galladay at like 30 for the week, and I was ticked off more for the fact that Kenny Galladay, I felt bad that people sat Kenny Galladay missed out on that. But I don't think that's overthinking it because that's a completely different scenario. I think the overthinking it would be, oh, my God, you know, Kenny Galladay is facing the Patriots this week. I'm going to start uh, Ted Ginn. That would be overthinking it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's a good point you bring up because I think sometimes people don't realize this. I'm not going to lie. I want to win every league I'm in, but my job is to help people win. So if I give you a decision that doesn't work out, I do feel bad. You know, right. like we don't want to get this wrong. And no one is ever going to be 100%. No one is really 70% in this business. So we do the best that we can with the information, the research, what we watch. But we want you guys to win. That's why we're here. So we, I, I do feel bad when I get something wrong. And I look back and go, okay, how did I get it wrong? What can I do to get better? And that's what I do every year is how can I get better? What did I do wrong? And that's the ultimate goal. And I don't care how good you are. We're always learning, looking to get better. Yeah, 100% with you. So let's learn about some of these things for week 14 specifically. And I put in my waiver column this week, Adam, I put these are the now the backfields that are outside the circle of trust. <laughs> I call them that because I'm saying these are ones where if worse comes to worse, I understand some teams might be desperate. Some teams might have had injuries and clawed their way in or whatever. But I'm saying 
for all intents and purposes, I want nothing to do with these backfields if possible. The four backfields I want nothing to do with are the Colts, the 49ers, the Chiefs, and who's the other one? Why, why am I having a brain for it? Maybe you can think of who the other one is. There's a four. Oh, the Buccaneers. Yeah. See, I knew where you were going. Yeah. Tampa Those Bay are- is unbelievable, Jake. Okay. <sighs> I have been talking about this for weeks. I think we did like a circle of trust segment two weeks ago. Yeah, something nice. like that on Fantasy Alarm Show. I was filling in. And I said, Ronald Jones. I'm like, why are people getting sucked into Ronald Jones? Because Bruce Arians said, oh, he's the starter? Were people looking at the snap counts and the distribution? <laughs> Even when Ronald Jones scored a touchdown two weeks ago, Barber had one less carry than him. Oakman Wally's been on the field. Now, last week, that was stunning, okay? I thought Ronald Jones, and I don't have him anywhere. I just think he's been the best back if you watch them. Peyton Barber is so mediocre. I've been arguing with my friend about this. He's like, oh, Barber's not bad. I'm like, what are you watching? Every time Ronald Jones touched the ball, he's looked great this year. And then, of course, we found out after Arian said he missed the blitz pickup. But Yeah, for the rest of the game. (laughs) Right, but I think we shouldn't have trusted him this entire time. Now, last week with the matchup against Jacksonville with the way they have been terrible against the run, I understood if people wanted to go there. But you should have never trusted this backfield at any point, no matter what Bruce Arians said, because you could see that all three were still playing a big role. So people did get burned last week. Again, I don't fault them too much, but if you just blindly said, oh, Arians said Jones is a starter, I'm starting every week, you made a big mistake. That's something you need to learn from. No, completely. Is there anybody, let's say we get the Chiefs down to two running backs. We'll say both the Williamses are out. Does anybody touch Darwin or McCoy? I think you have to be desperate. It's New England. My guess is maybe they trust McCoy a little bit more because he's a veteran. But then there were some comments about how they wanted to, you know, maintenance down the stretch. Like this is the NBA or something. Uh, So, yeah, I really don't trust that backfield. I mean, I'm going to put in some claims for Darwin, but it's more just to see what happens. I think, and I have a few bye weeks. So, like, if I can get him on the roster – and see how it plays out this week. I actually have – I picked up Damian Williams off waivers in the league, then picked up Darrell Williams off waivers last week. So now I have those two. I obviously can't play either. Even if uh, – yeah, even if Damian Williams goes, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> I can't do it. It's We don't you just know. just yourself I, out of it. No, I said it last week. I, you know, I do a, a chat on Fantasy Alarm at noon Eastern, and someone was – a lot of questions about Darrell Williams. And my answer was, I don't know what Williams' role is going to be. So I can't play him. And I had Williams in a couple leagues last week, and I didn't play him. I actually had him in my lineup in one. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to go with Benny Snell. Uh, Snell, obviously, we felt like he would have a decent workload. But early in the game, he went, we saw Jalen Samuels. I was like, oh, no. And then eventually they went more with Snell, and he scored the touchdown. So all week last week, I had Williams. And then I really thought about it. I said, no, I can't. I have to go with Benny Snell. So. Thank goodness I did that. Would you, any chance you would roll back Marlon Mack in his first game against the Bucks since his injury? Uh, that's the Bucks have just been so good against the run. They're so I know. bad against the How pass. about this? Assuming Matt Breida is out there, Marlon Mack, Matt Breida, or Raheem Mostert. And if you notice, I'm just leaving Tevin Coleman out of this conversation. Yeah, Coleman's got to be out, man. I don't know what ha- Look, Mostert has been great all year when he touches the ball. I mean, he gains positive yardage on almost every play. I think the yards per carry is over five. I mean, loves Brita. 
Oh man. Yeah. This is a tough one. And I have, I have Brita in many leagues. He was someone I was looking to draft in the eighth, ninth round. I have Mostert in several leagues, uh, including the flex league. I have Brita and Mostert. So thank goodness I'm on buy. So I don't have to make that decision. Uh, Save yourself. You know, out of those four backfields, I would probably dip into San Francisco. Of all four, that would be the one. If Breed is back, I think you can use him. The problem with him is they just don't really seem to use him near the goal line, which is a problem because you're right. going to need a long run for a touchdown, which he's certainly capable of doing. But it's a mess. I mean, Coleman's definitely the guy you don't use. See, Mostert's the interesting guy because people are going to see what he did last week against Baltimore. But I don't think we can bank on that this week. So I guess what I'm saying is probably avoid if possible. <laughs> In the end, the long run here. So let's turn I mean, it back what do to you, the- Right, don't you think? Like, Because I think everyone's in class. Oh, Mostert looked great. It was against the Ravens. They got to go back to him. No, they don't. We've seen this with them before. No, you don't run up the middle against the Saints. You go outside, which means Eileen Brita, but I don't want to touch it, period. I just It's not like Mostert can't be involved in the passing game. It's just, and this is why. It's, you know, we joke about it all the time. It's Shanahanigans, and it's, it's what he's done. I, my bigger question, Adam, is just this is actually has nothing to do with fantasy. I've asked this before. It's like, how has the NFL still not figured out Shanahan's run game? Because he makes every running back good. I don't understand. Like, nobody's figured out what he's doing. <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah, every running back that comes in, and we talk about systems a lot, and I think that was one of the big reasons people were drafting Damian Williams this year because of Andy Reid. Obviously, that didn't work out, but Jeff Wilson goes in there and looks good and scores touchdowns. So, yeah, it's amazing what he has done with the running backs there. It's insane. So, let's talk about the good running backs. Let's go to that direction. And so, I got two-part question for you, Adam. So, we're going to talk the Browns with Chubb and Hunt, and we'll talk the Seahawks with Carson and Penny. It's a two-part question. Is how good do you feel about Hunt and Penny overall? And then the second part is, if you were somebody who were handcuffing with the thought of just in case and sitting on these guys for the entire year, are you now at the point where, to go back to the first part of the question, which you might answer in the question, are you so confident that if you own both, you would start both? I think with Chubb and Hunt, you can. Uh, and I have Nick Chubb in a few leagues. Really where it hurts him right now is the lack of receptions. So he needs those yards. He needs those touchdowns. But I feel fine starting him. I mean, to me, he's still a top 10 running back. And I do, even though I don't own Kareem Hunt anywhere, he's looked really good. And they have a role for him in this offense. Uh, they're getting him the ball. They're playing the Bengals this week. I mean, this could be a week where – he gets double-digit touches, but he's been getting you know four, five, six receptions a game, five last week. Uh, had a down game against Miami, but did score the touchdown. So we're not seeing much on the ground, but he has a role in this passing game, and uh, he has the ability to break big plays. So I, I think you can use him. I think he's a borderline RB2. Seattle's very tricky. I don't know about you, but the way Seattle has been using Carson and Penny, this is what I thought was going to happen the entire year. I was drafting Penny. Obviously, his stock really fell. It's funny because I don't know if you remember, there were drafts in June. Penny was going before Carson because people wanted to see Rashad Penny and they were kind of fading Carson. And then as we got closer, Carroll was talking up Carson. He's the guy. He's the guy. We saw the preseason and then Carson started to rise. Penny started to dip. But I was drafting Penny seventh, eighth, ninth round. Because I thought Seattle's a team that just wants to run the football. So I thought, you know, 17 to 20 touches for Carson, 8 to 12 for Penny. 
And then Carson had the fumbling issues and Penny was hurt. I was like, this was his opportunity because we saw CJ Procise get on the field that week. I think it was against Pittsburgh week three. Penny missed a couple weeks. So I think that hamstring just put him behind. Carson was running so well. And then every time we see Penny get an opportunity, he breaks these big plays and he looks good. Now, last week he said, Carson's the guy, but we want to get Penny involved in the mix. Carson had the hit that he took early in the game left, and then we saw a lot of Penny. I don't know if that propelled him to say, all right, we got to keep an even split. If Carson didn't get dinged up, how much Penny would we have seen? I don't know. They obviously both performed very well. They ran the ball a lot. Penny is very tough because I said last week, I'm not ready to start Penny. And if you went against that and started him, hey, it worked out for you. Good for you. I don't feel as confident compared to the Cleveland backfield. I might be starting Penny in one league this week, but I have, I'm a little hesitant because what if it goes back to 10 touches this week? They're playing right. the Rams. And Seattle want – the problem with Seattle, they want to run the football like crazy. Like I needed 14 points from Russell Wilson last week to lock up with the most points in a two-seed, and I was nervous. I said, I need Seattle to fall behind. And I love the game script early because Minnesota took the lead. And then all of a sudden, the game just vastly changed in an instant. And Seattle's up 34-17. But Russell Wilson is so good, but he doesn't get the volume. So <laughs> I'm a little – I'm not as confident in Penny, but he's looked really good. And we know Seattle wants to run the football. But the Rams' defense is good. As bad as the Rams have been offensively disappointed, I know they got shredded two weeks ago. The defense is still pretty good. It is. And the funny thing is, you talk about that. And my initial run through my rankings as Penny is RB 33 this week, sandwiched between Mac and Tariq Cohen. And the first thing I got, why do you hate Rashad Penny? Adam, I think you know this. I'm probably one of the biggest fans of Rashad Penny on the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah, I remember you talking him up when he got drafted. Yeah. And why do you hate him? Did you not see what happened? He says, and, but I brought up everything you just brought up. I'm just legitimately concerned. And I want to tie this into the next one that ties into this whole conversation is behind Tariq Cohen, two spots from Rashad Penny, is Darius Geis. And I feel like that's the conversation we need to be having with Penny. I'm with you with Hunt. I have Hunt at 24. And I think Hunt deserves to be that fringe RB2 now. But I think Penny deservedly, as you mentioned, with the use, with the matchup this week, Penny deserves to be in that conversation, not the Hunt conversation. And both Penny and Guys can do a ton with just a dozen touches, as we've seen. But are, don't you think Guys is in that same conversation? And would you roll out Guys over a lot of these messy backs? Like, I'd roll out Guys over any of the Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, without a question. Even though, like you said, the volume is not there, we're still seeing Adrian Peterson. Guys is phenomenal, man. I'm glad that he is back healthy, power runs, breaking tackles. You know, I didn't want him this year because I was worried about the injury. And, you know, I, I had too much, guys. <laughs> yeah, I thought the price was pretty high. Like, he started to rise, and I was like, I can't do it. And I love the talent. But between the injury risk, between the Washington situation, the offensive line, I was like, no. But – Right now, he just looks tremendous. But here's the thing. Like, what do the Redskins want here? Do they – they have nothing to play for, and they want this guy healthy. So, does he deserve 20 touches? Yes. But why would the Redskins do that at this yep. point, right? That, that's 100%. the thing. I'm with you on that, and that's the thing. So, yeah, I think you're the dozen touches, but that dozen touches, I'd rather risk those dozen touches than risk trying to play the – 
which Buccaneer do I start or which 49er do I start or who is going to be the lead for the Chiefs? Is McCoy going to be inactive? Like that's I'd rather just go with guys. No, I agree on that, too, because there's always the chance that maybe he gets a little bit more. But we've seen his explosiveness and his ability to shed tackles and score touchdowns. You know they're going to run the football. They got nothing going on in the passing game. You just need the game to stay somewhat competitive. And, you know, if he 10 to 12 touches from him is better than a lot of running backs in that tier. You know what he's kind of is? He's the like the running version with the passing being lesser. But just, so I was like, he's kind of like the Alvin Kamara argument of like, you know, give me, you know, I've, obviously Kamara is more like 15 to 18, but it's kind of that argument. Well, you know what? If you can just give me a dozen, no, it's not an RB1. And he's not even an RB2, but if you can give me a dozen, I'll take that over a lot of players that you have to deal with. So here's one that maybe he gets a dozen touches this week. He's getting close to it because the, the Dolphins finally ended their Kalen Balage nonsense, but supposedly because of an injury. Patrick Laird for the past two weeks, in PPR only, had been somewhat valuable as an RB3 or a flex. Now, with no Balage completely out of the equation, Laird also got 10 runs last week, but he only had five yards, as you know. <laughs> so that, what do you do, Adam? He's got a good matchup against the Jets, but it's a good matchup in the passing game, not in the running game. New York Jets run defense has actually turned out to be really good. So do you roll out Laird in any league with your playoffs on the line because the opportunity might be that that's a light. I feel like we're putting a lot of situational stuff on somebody that you shouldn't really trust to begin with. I can't do it. And I have them <laughs> in a couple leagues. I, you have to be desperate. And I can't imagine that many playoff teams are desperate, but I just don't see it. Uh, yeah, he was four for 43 last week, but no, you're not anything on the ground between what you said about the Jets who have been excellent against the run this year and the Dolphins just can't run the football. No matter who they've had back there, uh, their offensive line hasn't been good run blocking. And this team has been passing the ball. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's Devontae Parker. It's Mike Gusecki. So you might get lucky and maybe Laird catches five, six passes for 40, 50 yards and finds the end zone. But I'm, I'm not risking that in a critical week, first round of the playoffs for many leagues. So I can't do it. I have to be absolutely desperate at the RB2 spot. And, you know, I could see some teams. I mean, usually that's always my weakness in most leagues every year. I tend to try and get one running back early, go wide receiver heavy. And in a lot of my leagues, I'm like trying to fill that RB2 spot. Uh, I think there's one league where I do have Laird and my options are like Duke Johnson, Latavius Murray. So maybe you could make a case for him there. Well, so uh, let me give you one. How about this? We'll play a little bit either. Or Patrick Laird or your choice of 49ers running backs? I'd go with one of the 49ers running backs. All right. Patrick Laird or Ronald Jones or Peyton Barber? Oh, boy. Laird. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, because we just, you know, Barber needs a touchdown to be effective. I mean, the guy, I don't understand why he's still in there. I, I just don't get it. Ronald I Jones. <laughs> Ronald Jones has looked tremendous this year. Am I wrong? Do you see the same thing? Oh, I'm a Ronald Jones fan. Were you watching when Barber scored the first touchdown? Did you, were you happen to have your eyes on that game? Yes. Did you see Bruce Arians laughing on the sideline? No, I didn't. Oh, I tweeted it out as soon as I saw it. I swear he's laughing at us, like fancy people. Like, I swear he did that on purpose. <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, and again, this is from someone, you know, because people are like, oh, well, you... 
that's because you have him on your team. You need him. I have no Ronald Jones. I don't care. <laughs> I don't have Peyton Barber. It doesn't matter to me. But when I see how good Ronald Jones has been when he's touched the ball this year, and then I got to see Peyton Barber getting as many touches as he does, it just angers me. <laughs> you know what would be amazing for next year? What? Can we get Can we get Kareem Hunt on the Buccaneers? Oh, my goodness. Imagine that. And we'd still see Peyton Barber and Open Wallet. <laughs> he would still get the goal line carries. <laughs> All right. How about this one? Last one. In the same game, I'm going to give you two more names. Rank these three. Patrick Laird, Royce Freeman, Duke Johnson. Uh, it would be Laird, Duke, Freeman. Is Freeman not the – I say this. So this is my argument. I'll, see, I'll basically ask if you agree with me. Royce Freeman is just a high-end handcuff now in the same conversation as like a Madison, an Armstead, or Tony Pollard. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, did he play more snaps than Lindsey? Yes. But yes. Lindsey had more touches. So, yeah. Lindsey actually... basically touches the ball every time he's on the field. Yeah, look, for a while it looked like Freeman was playable. There might have been – I had him in the Superflex League, and there might have been one or two weeks I used him. I dropped him last week. I was, yeah, there's no way – you're starting Freeman at all. That's you talk about desperation. Oh boy. <laughs> the funny That's thing desperate. is that the funny thing is I, I've stashed him in so many leagues because everybody dropped him. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick up a hand, a high end handcuff because that's essentially what he is. And the funny thing is people are dropping him for like the Armsteads and the Tony Pollards of the world. And I'm like, well, that's kind of who he is. So why not? I'll, I'll take him. I'll stash him. We'll see what happens. All right. So last situation. And this one's kind of a one that, I think you and I have talked about I know I've talked about it a lot, and that's why I feel like you and I have talked about it. But it's Zach Pascal, and I, the, the situation I've described, I've done it on the Throwback Show. I've done it on Pat Mayo's show when we do a ranking. So for anybody out there, they're going to be like, oh, Jake's saying it again. But it's just I want to talk about it with you, Adam, too, is the fact of I said this a couple of years ago when Randall Cobb, I think it was 2015, when we had the Jordy Nelson injury and Devontae Adams wasn't Devontae Adams yet. And Randall Cobb struggled that entire season because he was asked to be the number one. And we've seen wide receivers when asked to be the number one struggle because they're not a number one NFL-wise. They're not able to handle that kind of defensive attention. And when Zach Pascal stepped in with no T.Y. Hilton, we've seen that. Poor game, poor game, poor game, poor game. He finally breaks through last week. A lot of volume in that game. Are you concerned? Like, I guess it comes down to this. Here's how I'll phrase the question. The matchup is as good as you can get. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. T.Y. Hilton sounds like he's going to be out again. Does last week give you enough confidence to call Pascal a must start? Or is my point about the Randall Cobb thing is this is the downside is you might end up with a one and that makes him a non-must start? No way is he a must start. I understand okay. the situation is ideal. It's a tremendous matchup. I'm very interested to see uh, what the Colts do here because Brissett's pass attempts are way down. They want to run the football. I was out uh, the Thursday night game against the Texans watching that game, and I was just frustrated as hell watching it. I mean, that game ended so quickly because all they did was run, 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 drain the clock. Uh, and Brissett was looking like a decent fantasy option for a while, but he just doesn't have the weapons right now. The only guy that I feel confident in in that passing game is Jack Doyle, and that was a guy that – was probably picked up off waivers in many leagues over the last yeah. few weeks. Um, but, yeah, I don't think he's a must-start. I mean, look, the situation, it's set up well for him. He had the 10 targets last week. He came through. But I wouldn't be surprised if he went three for 46 this week. <laughs> That's the thing. is, I feel like wherever you rank Pascal, I think it's just going to be too high or too low. Like, Because what, are you going to rank him around 35 to 40? You think that's a fair spot for him? 
Maybe a little uh, bit higher. That, that's fair, and that still might be a little too high. Well, so I'm saying is like I feel like his outcome is either top 15 or 50th. Like that's no probably true. It's either what you got last week or it's a dud. So <laughs> it, it seems it feels like there's no middle ground with him. Uh, I, I had him in a couple leagues and wound up cutting him, uh, so I don't have him anywhere. So I will not have any decision to make on him this week. So actually, I do have one last one for you because we're talking about the 49ers. Is it Debo Samuel over Emmanuel Sanders at this point? It feels like it. I don't think he's 100% Sanders is my guess. That's what I see. I I feel the exact same way. Yeah, it's a tough injury, man. It's a pain tolerance thing. You know, you're moving a certain way. You don't feel right. Debo has looked really good, man. Uh, And I was fortunate, I guess, to get him in a league or two. And I don't think I used him last week because of the matchup, but – yeah, he seems to be a guy that's on the on the rise. It's tough because I love Emmanuel. Well, first of all, I was completely out on Emmanuel Sanders this year when I saw you know him coming. I think off everybody three- was. That's that, that's a freaking nature thing that he came back from that the way he did. Yeah. So I saw people drafting him. You know, ninth, tenth round. I'm like, no way. And then he had that preseason game, and then he started to really rise. He was starting to go <laughs> sixth, seventh round. I was like, you guys are crazy. And then I saw him play, and I'm like, oh, man, I lost out on him. He looks really good. And then he got traded, which obviously was a boost. But I think this is a a tough injury for him right now, and I don't think he's 100%. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, anything else for everybody out there in the playoffs? Any advice for you? Make sure while you're doing so, remind everybody again everywhere you're found and all your new work that you got going on. Yeah, just make the best decisions. You know, don't overthink it. I think that's what happens a lot. People look at the matchups real close. If you made the playoffs, unless you're one of those lucky teams we talked about earlier that's 10th in points in your league, you probably have a good team. So just make the best decision and live with it. You know, there are times where we make mistakes, and I'll have people call in. They say, hey, I started this guy over this guy, and it didn't work out. I said, you made the right call. I would have done the same thing. I can live with those. The ones that I can't live with is the ones you're debating all week, and then the last second – you make the change. You know it's the wrong one. Then you sit there and you watch the games. Oh, I should have done this. <laughs> Those are the ones that I cannot live with. You know, if I – like last week, you know, Winston was a good start. You know, there are people who are like, oh, I started Jameis Winston instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was the right call. Come on. Well, how, how about everybody that wanted to start Nick Foles last week? I mean, I had him as a borderline QB1. Yeah, I, I guess I was – it's funny because – I have a league with my friend, and we've just been battered by quarterbacks all year. Right now, our quarterbacks are Jacoby Brissett and Ryan Tannehill. I think we drafted Roethlisberger and Trubisky. Uh, wound up picking up Cousins, dropping him. And two weeks ago, we had a discussion. He's like, oh, what about Nick Foles? I was like, I looked at the schedule. I'm like, yeah, it's not that bad. But I'm like, I don't know. I'm just not feeling it. I don't think so. I said, I'd rather have Tannehill. Thank goodness we didn't make that move. We some fab. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, Foles was in a good spot last week. It didn't work out. I didn't have him anywhere and I avoided him in DFS. I mean, I went with Andy Dalton instead. Not that he was great, but he was very cheap. I mean, but, he didn't score yeah, negative look, points. <laughs> you know, sometimes you make the right calls. It doesn't work out. And just, I can live with that. It's the ones where you debate, go back and forth and you see, saw it and you know, it's wrong. And then last second you make the change. Those are the ones that really need me. So just put your best lineup out there and have fun with it. And you can 100%. find me 
Yeah, you can find me at fantasyalarm.com. I'm doing NBA DFS now. NFL, obviously, we'll be doing MLB Draft Guide very soon. And you can hear me on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio Monday night. Lisa Ann does Fantasy 10 p.m. Eastern. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Alarm After Hours from midnight to 1 a.m. Eastern. And I'll be there with Justin Fensterman. And always one of the best. Follow Adam Moronis and just watch him win everything and help you win your stuff too. Always love it, Adam. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Jake. Good luck to you in the playoffs. Once again, that was Adam Ronis, one of the best in the business. Make sure you're following, make sure you're reading him, make sure you're listening to him and doing all that good stuff. Support him. That's the simple version of saying that. As a reminder, if you want to go to Fanshare, like I said, just friends of the show, I give you some DFS picks towards the end of the show every single week to give you a heads up. But, I mean, just great tool. You can put an all-in kid, get 20% off. And I'm telling you, not only do you get projected ownership, but all in one page, you can get out, like, Look, basically, you're going to save yourself some time because you go to one page, you get everything. You get to see who people are talking about, who people are, like they said, the projected ownership, the prices, the usage, how much of your salary it's going to take percentage-wise, all that type of stuff. But anyway, one of the things I like to say and do and use is, like I said, the the projected ownership. And I'm looking at running back, as you know from my sleepers column, nobody's on Philip Lindsay, despite if you go check out the sleepers column, all the reasons why you should like Philip Lindsay, the work, the touches, everything like you said the Royce Freeman's out there more than him but Philip Lindsay every time he's on the field touching the ball 18 14 20 touches in the last three games this is the matchup for it did you see what James White just did to the Texans maybe yes all right we'll go check him out in addition another one I really like is uh Kenny Galladay I- I'm actually surprised this is why you should go to Fanshare I'm surprised his projected ownership it isn't even inside the top 25 wide receivers after the last week yes David Blau is a mediocre quarterback, but he's just going to chuck it up to Kenny Galladay, as we saw. It's a terrific matchup for Kenny Galladay. And, hey, if nobody's going to get on Kenny Galladay after a big game, usually it's recency bias to the utmost degree, and I expect him to be in the top 10, but not as of now. So in any case, like I said, check them out at Fanshare. Check out theathletic.com slash sports. Check out Adam Ronis at Adam Ronis. I'm at All In Kid. You guys know that. I'm wishing you well. Thank you for listening every single week. Sorry I wasn't here last week. It kind of got over me, like just the time, Thanksgiving. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Barkley has got spayed. She's, you know, kind of half sad. Prayers up for Barkley. Quick healing. I want to see her spirits back and energy and back to running that like 2.14 yard dash when she was uh, in her prime. So in any case, I'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.